to Freedom to Choose, brought to you by Just As I Am Ministries, giving hope to people caught in the devastation of addiction. In this series, Questions I'd Like to Ask God, Rich Kallenberg shares 10 messages about God who loves you more than you can imagine. A God that wants you to understand Him. And yes, a God that welcomes your difficult questions about Himself and the way He runs His universe. Rich found freedom 18 years ago from his out-of-control life of drug addiction and alcoholism when God found him. Break free from the chains that may bind you or your loved ones. Now here's Rich on Freedom to Choose. If you turn your back on God for a period of time, then truly ask for forgiveness. Will God forgive you? In a text that was with this question, there were several. I'm going to go to 2 Peter here. And as we look at the Bible, and a matter of fact, this is exactly what we're going to talk about tonight, okay? And that's why the text is in here, because what we're going to talk about is what happens to the human brain. We're going to talk about your brain and my brain tonight, biblically, what happens biblically, okay? So, 2 Peter 2.19, they promise, now they are false teachers, they are teachers that are teaching a false gospel, a gospel of the flesh, okay? And so it says, they promised them freedom while they themselves are slaves of destru- destructive habits. For we are slaves of anything that has conquered us. Okay? We are what? Slaves of anything that has conquered us. If people have escaped from the corrupting forces of the world through their knowledge of the Lord and the Savior Jesus Christ, and then are again caught and conquered by them, such people are in worse condition at the end than they were in the beginning. It would have been much better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than to know it and then turn away from the sacred command that was given them. What happened to them shows that the Proverbs are true. A dog goes back to what it has vomited, and a pig that has been washed goes back to rolling the mud. You wonder where that came from? Proverbs. So, here we have God giving us advice, saying, you know, if you come to know me and you walk away, pretty tough situation. But here's the thing. I myself don't know of anybody in this condition. You know why? Because my heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. And if anybody thinks that they're in this condition or thinks they know someone in this condition, that is dangerous also because the only person that knows someone that's in this condition is who? It's God. Now, the mere fact that someone has asked this question, if they've asked it about themselves, that means they're listening to the Holy Spirit. That means they're on their way back. That means there's, that God has reached their heart. If they're worried about someone else, remember, our judgments are not good. We leave that up to God and we pray for that person. Now, let's look at some Bible texts because the question was asked and it was phrased and I like the way it was phrased. It says, if you've turned your back on God for a period of time and then what? Truly ask for forgiveness. Will God forgive you? 
What do you think? Now, remember in our first presentation, we talked about King David. Was King David anointed as king by God? Was he a man after God's own heart? Did the king have some addictions? He did. He liked women. And that addiction got a hold of him. But what happens in the book of Psalms after all the dust settles and God gets a hold of his heart again, remember, God asks him to write of his experience in the Bible. So not only does this say something about David's repentance, but it really says a whole lot about the kind of God that we serve. In other words, David took his friend's wife, then he committed adultery with her, then he killed his friend to try to cover it up, and that act totally messed up the entire nation of Israel. Totally messed it up. Messed his family, messed everything up, and you know what God did? He said, we better write this down. Now that you've come back to me, we better write this down. And why does he say that? Here's David's prayer of repentance. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. He's asking God to wipe it clean, start over. Please don't remember my transgression. We're going to drop down to uh, 51.9. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit with me, within me. <clears throat> so now David is asking to get fixed back up. I've, been, I've wandered, I've let my addictions run, run rampant on me, and I've wandered from you, and now I'm coming back. Lord, please, create in me a clean heart. And notice how God can take this horrible situation, and he can flip it around now, and notice what David says. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. Now notice, then I will teach transgressors your way, and sinners will return to you. So the very question that was asked tonight gets answered here in a biblical story about how David was with God, wandered from God, and God lured him back through a prophet called Nathan. He touched his heart, and then David realizes that experience and that repentance was going to help others who had gone through the same thing. Incredible what God has done with a terrible situation. So if you think you've gone too far from God, the mere fact that you're thinking that means the Holy Spirit's got a hold of you. So we got to be very careful to put anyone out of the reach of God. Now, that is not to say, though, that is not to say that a person will not go beyond repair. We have to remember that, but that's God's business, not ours. The person that is beyond repair is God's business, not ours. Now, 1 John says, if we confess our sins, he will keep his promise and do what is right. He will forgive our sins and purify us from all, how much wrongdoing? All wrongdoing. Okay, so he will. He will keep his promise. Okay, also, and now this one here, we get a double dip 
of information here because this is going to also answer another question that we've had. Every, everyone whom my Father gives me will come to me. I will never turn away anyone who comes to me. Do you like that? Because I have come down from heaven to do not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Now notice, we get a double whammy here out of this. We continue in the text, and it says, And it is the will of him who sent me that I should not lose any of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them all to life on the last day. When do they get raised to life? On the last day. Now Jesus echoes this. And he actually emphatically states it. For what my father wants. Is that all who see the son. And believe in him. Should have eternal life. And now he says I'm going to do his will. I will. Raise them to life. On the last day. Okay. So all of this is talking about someone coming to Christ that God will in no wise cast out. And then he says, I will raise them to life. They will get eternal life on the last day. Okay, so very clear. Once again, it's God's business. And that is a very good question. Thank you for that question. It's a very good question. Is that helpful for everyone? Okay, good. Now, let's look at, uh, let's look at uh, something that happened not long ago. Rising crime and violence once again. The crew members aboard the USS Underwood could see through their night goggles what was happening on the fleeing go-fast boat. <clears throat> Someone was dumping bales. In the most expensive initi initiative in Latin America since the Cold War, the U.S. has militarized, has what? Militarized the battle against the traffickers spending more than $20 billion in the past decade on the war on drugs. Militarized. Now notice, U.S. Army troops, Air Force pilots, and Navy ships outfitted with Coast Guard counter-narcotics teams are re routinely deployed to chase, track, and capture drug smugglers. The sophistication and violence of the traffickers is so great that the U.S. military is training not only law enforcement agents in Latin American nations, the what? The U.S. military is training law enforcement agents, but their militaries as well. So the armies of the world are now fighting drug traffickers, building a network of expensive hardware, radar, airplanes, ships, runways, refueling stations, to stem the tide of illegal drugs from South America to the U.S. In 2011, an estimated 22.5 million Americans aged 12 or older, or 8.7% of the population, had used an illicit drug or abused a psychotherapeutic medication in the past month. This is up from 8.3% in 2002. The increase mostly reflects a recent rise in the use of marijuana, the most commonly used illicit drug. Now notice, there were just over 3 million new users of illicit drugs in 2011, or about 8,400 new users per day. 
51% were under 18. 6.5% of 8th graders, 17% of 10th graders, and 22% of 12th graders use marijuana in the past month. So our question for the night is, does the devil just take what he wants? Huh, I wonder. In James chapter 1, verse 13, it says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. Okay, here's the key to the whole thing right here. What does it mean to be drawn away by one's own lust and enticed? What happens up here between the ears in order for that to take place? And why is it that we that your temptation is different than mine is different than yours and different than yours? What is it that's going on between the ears that causes that? Now, this is Dr. Nora Volkel, director of the National Institute on Drug Abuse. Now, I like her research because she has the scientific approach. I don't like it because she's missing one component, and that's the biblical component. But her research substantiates the Bible, so that's why I like to use it. And you'll see right here. Dr. Vocal's work has been instrumental in demonstrating that drug addiction is a disease of the human brain. As a research psychiatrist and scientist, Dr. Vocal pioneered the use of brain imaging to investigate the toxic effects of drugs and their addictive properties. Now, the reason, of course, for myself why addiction fascinates me is because I was addicted to to alcohol, cocaine, and methamphetamine for 25 years. And so I want to find out what went wrong, if you know what I mean, and how these other things that try to grab me and draw me, what's going on in the brain? Is it the same? Is an addict an addict, regardless of whether what they're addicted to? And if so then am I, if you will, climbing a ladder to that purity and sanctity by allowing the Lord to remove these addictive behaviors that we all know as sin. See, an occasional misdeed or an occasional this or that by mistake is not sin. It's an habitual act and a motive that has turned into something that controls the person. And we'll get into what an addictive behavior is in a second here. Okay? Her studies have documented changes in the dopamine system. The what system? Now, Michelle touched on that earlier in an earlier presentation and a little bit tonight. Changes in the dopamine system affecting the actions of the frontal brain regions involved with motivation. What? Motivation. Drive and pleasure. Now, let me ask you a question. Would life be worth living without motivation? Would life be worth living without drive? Would life be worth living without pleasure? So this is the system that makes life worth living. You understand what I'm saying? 
And the decline of brain dopamine function is another thing she studies, and that's a, that declines with age. Does anybody that is getting old start to lose their drive a little bit? Huh? Things aren't quite so pleasurable, maybe? Quite motivated anymore? It's because she because dopamine function declines with age. So she's she's wanting to study this, and then she's documenting the changes. Now, this is Donnie McIntosh. They used to rent from the house up above from us, and every spring, when the grass just about starts coming up, they stayed there. How many years? Three, four years, and every spring. When it got to be about maybe 70, 75 degrees, Donnie would come running across the field, screaming at the top of his lung, Mr. Rich, Mr. Rich, I am wearing shorts. He waited all winter to wear those shorts. And that is a full-on, beautiful operating dopamine system. When a child is motivated and then the reward happens and it's just a pair of shorts on a beautiful string day but it was the happiest he said it was a great big day you see and that's what a fresh um, I want to say not damaged dopamine system can do for a person okay like a little child motivated by simple things Excited by simple things, and I mean just ecstatic after looking forward to something. So, as we study, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll flash back to Donnie again. We'll see. She's also made important contributions to the neurobiology of obesity, ADHD, and the behavioral changes that occur with aging. Much of her research and advocacy is focused on shattering current myths surrounding drug addiction such as... Marijuana is not addictive. Myth. Prescription medications are always safe. And last but not least, you can control your addiction. Well, let's see. This cluster of myths can be investigated by focusing on how the brain creates and responds to, what's the word again? Dopamine, dopamine. We will have a, uh, an animation here in a little bit to show you what goes on inside the brain. So dopamine, a neurotransmitter. Now, in layman's terms, a neurotransmitter is such. In our house, at our home, Susan speaks and I listen. She is the sender. I am the receiver. The sound waves are the neurotransmitters, if you will. You get the picture? So inside your brain, you have a cell that sends and a cell that receives. And the sound waves are not sound waves, they're dopamine. They go between the cells and communicate. Sends, receives. I don't send. I'm a receiving cell. Right, Cliff? That's right. Okay. Okay. 
Not only does dopamine, now here's the most important part of the whole presentation, don't miss this. Not only does dopamine relay the sensation of pleasure, but it mo also motivates our behavior what? Via expectations. Now, I know some of you like to hunt or camp. Anybody like going camping? Do you like the anticipation of going camping? Anybody like vacations at all? Do you like the vacation or the anticipation of the vacation? Or are they both pretty, pretty good, right? It's because the dopamine motivates our behavior by what we expect. That's why, if you, I'm sure everybody here has a favorite song, right? But it wasn't your favorite song the first time you heard it. But after you heard it three or four times, it became your favorite song, or you knew it was, and you played it more. Why did you play it more? Because you anticipate hearing your favorite parts. Oh, I can't wait for this part to come up. And then it part comes up, and you realize the reward. That's dopamine working, see? So it motivates the fact that you want to listen to the song so that you're going to hear the part. And as the part approaches, more dopamine flows. And then as the, re as the part reaches its climax, the reward is realized in the brain. And that's why we have favorite songs. And that's why we also don't like other parts of songs. So, it motivates our behavior via expectations. This is very important. Man is drawn away by his own lusts and enticed. Contrary to previous theories of addiction, she's found that the sensitivity of the reward centers in the brains of addicts is significantly, significantly decreased. What does that mean? Let's look at some pictures here. Now, this is a normal brain. What, is it, what do the colors mean? Red is high dopamine, normal pleasure, and interest, okay? Now, this is a normal brain. This is the brain of an obese person. This is the brain of an alcoholic. And this is the brain of a cocaine user. These three are not having a good time, okay? This is having a good time. When dopamine is being produced and the brain is happy and healthy. But what happens to these other three? What is going on? Dr. Vocal uses the brain scans of addicts to show how difficult it is just say no to drugs and what? Other addictive behaviors, including eating. Scans of addicts' brains help to explain the chemistry of drug addiction, which is a disease that changes the brain. We know that drug addiction is a chronic disease. Drugs change the brain, physically change it, she says. The changes last long after the addict stops taking the drug. Among her key findings is that the level of dopamine, now here's a very, very important part. The chemical that regulates the pleasure centers of the brain rise if an addict should even see a photo of the substance they abused. Why? Because dopamine motivates your behavior via expectations. You can put, now this is something that I struggle with. My wife knows I struggle with because methamphetamine fries your dopamine system. It fries it. it, it, it a, normal, a normal brain, normal life's ple pleasure, pleasure, your brain will produce 100 units of dopamine. Okay? Normal life pressure. You walk out, 
and you hear the birds singing and, and the sun's coming up in the morning and you go, that's just a nice day. That's 100 units of dopamine. Sex would be 200 units of dopamine. Cocaine, 400 units of dopamine. Methamphetamine, 1,200 units of dopamine. So a methamphetamine, a person, when he takes his first hit of methamphetamine, feels 12 times better than he ever has on his best day. But the problem is, is it overstimulates the receptors and kills the receptors. So now the meth addict needs more meth just to feel normal. You understand what I'm saying? So after many, many years of meth use, my dopamine system was really whacked out. No motivation, no drive, no pleasure. So I'm trying to figure out why. So I think, think I started doing research on it, okay? Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose and this series, Questions I'd Like to Ask God. If you or someone you know is living in addiction captivity and having trouble finding God, Rich and Susan Kallenberg are living testimonials that God does work miracles. They've created a seven-step, biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook for yourself or someone you know, just give them a call and they'll send it to you. 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com Thank you for listening and remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.